0: Welcome to today's message from Transformation Church with Pastor Jim Balzano. Let me take a few moments this morning, and I'm going to preach a message that some of you will like and some of you won't. You say, well, Pastor, that's every week. That's true. All right. Some of you are going to do it, and some of you are not going to like it. And the reason is because I'm going to talk about money today, and uh, as pastors, we are in a no-win situation when it comes to money, because if we don't speak about it, we're not bring about the truth of God's word. If we do preach about it, then we hear this kind of stuff. All they ever do is talk about money. Well, that's not true here. I can promise you that, all right? Um, but also, you know, the, so we have to sometimes live down the stereotypes, you know, pastors work one day a week. Praise the Lord. What we do, we, sit, we golf the other six days, all right? <laughs> My golf game isn't low enough yet to prove I've golfed six days a week, let me tell you. But, you know, and and all they do is preach about money, and all they want is money, and all they, no, we don't, all right? But we are going to talk about money today, and I believe because, let me tell you why. First of all, money is an incredibly spiritual issue. Make no mistake about it. It is a spiritual issue. How many believe that money can be a revelation of our spiritual temperature? I'm just telling you, it is. Um money is an indicator of what we treasure in our heart. Money is often an indicator of our faith level. Do we really believe that he is my provider? Do we really believe that he is the one that multiplies and gives seed to the sower? Do we really believe those things? And so Money is a great litmus test sometimes to our spiritual temperature. I'm not talking about the amount. I'm talking about, how many know this morning, it is about in proportion, the Bible says, to your faith that Paul talked about and so forth and so on. And so I do want to talk about this. And um, I'm going to do it. And the reason pastors do it is for a number of reasons. One is so that you are blessed. How many of you believe God has a plan on how you are to operate in his economy, not this world's economy? There's a kingdom economy that he wants us to operate in that does indeed bring blessing into our life. All right. Second of all, the reason that we preach it as pastors is we're pastors and we have a body that we're responsible for. And we have a city we want to impact. And the fact of the matter is it takes money to do it. And we don't do it for raises. We do it for resources. Let me say that again. There ain't nobody in this church getting rich. We don't do it for raises. We do it for resources because we want resources in the body of Christ for which we can continue to do the ministry that he's called us to do, which is changing lives, changing a city and, and on and on we go. We do it. We talk about money because everything we do here on every, a weekly basis is something that requires money. It co- turned money to turn the lights on this morning. It turned money to have that broken microphone this morning, Right? <laughs> It takes money to run the air conditioning in the heat. It takes money to pay a janitor and a custodian. I'm just telling you, it takes money. All of you who have business understand that. All of you understand that when you go to work, you expect to get paid. Amen. And so the church really is no different. Now, so I've been praying about this, and I said, "Well, Lord, I I need to speak on money." And He started giving me a message, and um, so we'll see how it goes. It's actually a a new message combined with a message I did uh, several years ago. I so. I'm going to call today's message The Money Box. The Money Box, right? We have money boxes in the office. Sometimes I go in to get something out and there's nothing there, but oh well. All right? But The Money Box. You say, why am I calling it The Money Box? Well, I think you'll find out in just a few moments. Because I'm going to have you turn in your Bibles to John chapter 12. John chapter 12. Let me actually get to it as well. Beginning with verse 1, it says, Then Mary took a pound of very costly perfume and of pure nard, and anointed the feet of Jesus, and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. All right? But Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples, who was intending to betray him, said, Why was this perfume not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor people? Now, he said this not because he was concerned about the poor, but because he was a thief. And as he had the money box, he used to pilfer what was put into it. How many want to hire him as your treasurer? How many want him handling your finances? Right? None of us want him handling our finances. Now let me talk about this for a moment. So here's the situation. Jesus walked throughout the earth for those three years that we have recorded in the Gospels with his disciples ministering throughout the land. The Bible says he had no birth to lay his head uh, and a number of other things. But one of the things we know is there was a community money. This money belonged to Jesus and his ministry right? And Judas was in charge of this money. He had the money box. All right? You say, well, where did that money come from? Well, let me give you one illustration of where it came from. Looking at this scripture. All right? This this is actually found in the Gospel of Luke chapter 8. Soon afterwards, he began going around from one city and village to another, proclaiming and preaching the kingdom of God. The twelve were with him. And also some women who had been healed of evil spirits and sicknesses. Mary, who was called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had gone out. And Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod's steward. And Susanna and many others who were contributing to their support out of their private means. I really believe this is an interesting scripture. When you look at it, let me back up for a minute. It says, and some women who had been healed of evil spirits and sicknesses, as well as Mary. Look about this. Jesus transformed their lives. And when Jesus transformed their lives, they now became a contributor to the ministry of Jesus. Let me support you in what you are doing. Listen to me for just a moment this morning. How many of you have been transformed by Jesus Christ? How many of you think we should contribute to the ministry of Jesus Christ? All right, if, yeah, listen like, man, he, he's changed my life. He's changed my world. He's changed your lives. He's changed your world. Some of you went from darkness to light. Some of you went from, from addiction to healings, addiction to freedom, all because of the power and what Jesus Christ did on Calvary. All right? Now, let's look at a few things. Let me tell you about Judas for a moment. So here was Judas. He's in charge of the money box. Let me tell you, first of all, what I learned about Judas is Judas was a taker, not a giver. How many of you know life is full of givers and takers? How many of you met both? All right, there's givers, there's takers. I've met them both. All right, and they're not de- they're not defined by what they have in their pocket. Givers can have no money. Literally, I've met givers who are dirt poor. I've met takers who are filthy rich. I've met them the opposite. All right. So so understanding this morning that when you're looking at the life of Judas and you look into the Scriptures, one of the things we see very quickly is he was a taker, not a giver. I would suggest this morning that God wants us to live as givers, not takers. Okay? Takers, let's just, takers always resent the giving of givers. Here he is, he's in the presence of something beautiful, something incredible. This woman, whose world has been rocked by Jesus, Comes in, breaks this bottle of costly perfume, pours it upon his feet. It's an extravagant offering. It's an extravagant love offering. It is an extravagant um, demonstration of praise, worship, love, adoration. And Judas, what's he? Wow, oh, that money should have been that that, that that money should have been given to the poor. You know how many people I have met who are. Takers, not givers, who are always critiquing the giving of others. It's an amazing thing. You know, I was I was looking now I won't go there yet. All right. Takers always judge the actions of others to validate their inaction. You know, Judas was a thief. He's taking money out of. He's not contributing to. But all of a sudden, he's watching somebody who's pouring out this extravagant offering on Jesus. And in order to validate his inaction, he begins to critique and judge the actions of that woman. Now, let me show you another one. Takers always critique the actions of others. I'm sorry, I got ahead of myself. No, I didn't. I got the same one twice. There we go. Takers always critique the actions of others to hide their actions. He was a thief. How many know he was not demonstrating he was a thief? How many know he was hiding he was a thief? He was hiding what was lurking in his heart. He was hiding what he was doing. But let me critique what she is doing in order to hide what I am doing. Now, all right? So get this. I'm just setting some of this up. So Judas was entrusted as the keeper of the money box to manage the money that belonged to the master. All right? The Greek word that talks about when he took from the money box, the pilfer word, that Greek word means both to carry and carry off. Judas Judas did both. He was carrying the money box, and he was carrying off the money that was in the box. All right, the verb that's used in that context shows, demonstrates that it was habitually carried off. This was not a one-time thing. That the verb that was used, he was continually, habitually stealing from the money box where the money that belonged to the master was kept. I don't know about you. I don't want to be Judas. Right? Like, I don't want to be Judas. So I want to talk a little bit this morning about you and I, all right? And how about you and I are keepers of the money box. Uh, understand something this morning. The Bible says that the earth, all of the earth, belongs to Him. Right? Uh, think about this. To effectively manage God's money that's in your possession, because how many? How many know this morning? You literally cannot. We hear the phrase all the time. You can't take it with you. How many know you literally can't take it with you? You ain't taking your house, your car. You're not taking your money. You're not taking your dog. Well, maybe I'd like to send Penny's dog with her. (laughs) But you're not, there's nothing of this world that you are taking with you into eternity. Why? Because it's not yours. It's on loan to you while you're on the face of this earth. It belongs to him. So you have to come to a place and you have to answer this question in your mind to effectively manage the money box at your disposal. Am I a manager or am I an owner? That fundamental approach is the foundation for how you act. It's either yours or it's either his. It's either his on loan to you or it's either yours in your mind. If it's his, you try to accomplish his purposes with it. This answer will determine how you view what's in your possession. Judas Watch what Judas does. Judas mismanaged the resources of the master because Judas was selfish. Selfish people do not manage the resources of others in the right way. How many of you have had to teach your children not to be selfish? Well, none of you had a little heathens boy. Okay, all right. <laughs> how many of you had to teach them how to share? Right, it's not natural, is it? No, it's unnatural to us. We want it, it's mine, I want it, right? And, and Judas operated from a selfish, self-centered motivation. There's a lot of people that approach Christianity in a self-service fashion. It's about me getting my salvation so that I can get to heaven, so that I can be blessed, so I can this, so I can that. Listen to me, heaven is... Not our goal. I've told you that before. That's our reward. And I want to go to heaven. I want to be blessed by God. Amen? i got no problem with any of that. But understand something. It's not from a selfish perspective. We cannot live and manage his resources, whether it is our children, whether it is the other things in our possession, our time, or whatever. We will never manage them effectively for him if we do it from a selfish perspective. Let me just meddle for just a moment. You know why some of us will never volunteer to do a thing in children's ministry or drive a van or do anything? Because we're selfish with our time. You know why sometimes I don't make sacrifices? Because sometimes I don't want to make the sacrifice because I'm selfish. Can I get a selfish amen? (laughs) That sometimes we're just operating from self, right? He was selfish. Judas mismanaged the resources of the master because he was greedy. (laughs) You're... He's a greedy man. He's stealing. Listen to me this morning. Greed is not determined by the amount of money a person has. I have met greedy poor people, and I have met greedy rich people, and I have met greedy in-between people, right? Greed is about lust. Greed is about wanting more. Greed is a spirit where it's all about me, and how can I get more from me? All right? Judas was greedy. He mismanaged the resources of the master, because he didn't love Jesus. you ain't loving Jesus when you turn him over for 30 pieces of silver. I manage resources that belong to my wife in a certain way because I love her. There's a reason her dog isn't dead. (laughs) Okay, this is what she does. She has to go away once in a while. She went away, guess, okay, now what do I do? You know how many times I feed the dog when Penny's home? Very rarely, if ever, unless she gives me direct orders as she's going out the door. But I don't. Why? Because, first of all, she loves her dog more than I love her dog, all right? But when she goes away, that dog never goes unfed. That dog never goes without water. That dog never, like, doesn't get to go out. I make Tony do it all, all right? (laughs) All right. but, but the fact of I, why do I do that? Because I love my wife. And I want to bless her, and I don't want her to worry about it, and I want to know taken care of. I do it from a labor of love. Listen to me this morning. You want to handle your money for the glory of God? It starts from loving Jesus. I spend a copious amount of money on grandchildren. <laughs> because I love them. Because I love them. I love them. All right? Judas didn't love Jesus. He didn't love Jesus. All right? So let's talk about this for a moment. Because think about Judas. Here he was mismanaging the master's resources. And we often think about Judas and those 30 pieces of silver. The day that he went to the, uh, the, the priest and the high priest and, and he went to them, he said, what will you give me to betray him and turn him over to you? And we remember that moment of betrayal. Let me tell you something. The moment of betrayal was preceded by a life of betrayal. This moment that came to a cataclysmic moment where he he said, give me the 30 pieces and I'll point him out to you. It's easy to get to that point when you've had several years that led up to that point. You didn't just start having an affair. It was something that took place day after day, moment after moment, that led to that moment. Physical affairs rarely start physical. Almost always start emotional. Say, well, what's that got to do with this? (laughs) It's the principle behind it. Judas didn't get to that moment. All of a sudden, he woke up one day. I think I'll betray Jesus today for 30 pieces of silver. No, it was this habitual taking, 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 stealing, stealing, mismanaging what I have in my possession that belongs to him. I'm going to use for myself. I'm going to take it for myself. And all of a sudden, he gets to a moment where I've got an opportunity to get even more. You see, the thing about it is stealing from Jesus is no less a betrayal than turning over 30 pieces of silver. It's interesting to me that the Bible talks about how in in the book of um, Malachi that we rob God when we don't tithe. He accused them of robbing, what do you mean we rob you? How do we rob you? In tithes and offerings. Ouch, so you mean to tell me that Malachi, the prophet of God, told the people of God that you're robbing me when when you won't give me tithes and offerings, yes. You mean they were thieves, yes. You mean they were like Judas, yes. Ouch, can anybody say ouch this morning? I wanna let you know something this morning. There was a season in my life where I was like Judas. I didn't give like I should. I didn't tithe like I should. Praise God, I give now. Praise God that he is on a work, because giving, it's an act of grace as well, that, that God had been able to take me to a place. Man, I, First of all, I love to give. Okay? But now, I'm no longer like Judas. And I know some people are saying, man, that's really harsh, Pastor. Is it? I'm not trying to be harsh. Because in a minute, I'm going to show you what a blessing it is to be the steward of God. You see, we may never turn Jesus over for 30 pieces of silver. But we won't use our 30 pieces of silver for him. Ouch. Come on, just say ouch. Ouch. You don't have to say amen. Just say ouch. Right? Like, I, I, I would never, I would never turn him over. I would have never done that. I would have never said, I'll give you Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. But oh my, I have said it a lot in my life where I've said, but I can't give him this and I won't give him that. How many you know there's a big difference between can't and won't? Let me tell you something. There are there's some times where, where where we literally maybe can't. But most of the time in my life where I have experiences, it's not a can't, it's a won't. And so, when you look at Judas in this context, he was the keeper of the money. Now, I want to let you know something this morning. Here's the the really, really good news. This is good news. I got really, really good news for you. You are the keeper of the money box. You say, why is that good news? It's a sacred trust, it's an honor. It's an honor, it's a privilege, that I have the ability, I have the honor that God would say I'm going to entrust into you possessions for you to use for my glory, my honor, for my kingdom, that's an honor. Have you ever been entrusted with somebody's kids? Isn't that an honor that somebody would trust you with their kids? As crazy it may sound, they can trust you with their kids. Every Monday, Tony trust me with three kids. They're out of their mind. It's a sacred trust. God has entrusted to us. It's entrusted to us his riches, his money, the things that belong to him. Uh, And I want to talk to you just a few more moments about this, all right? So Jesus tells a parable. He tells a parable about him going away and him entrusting his money to his stewards. They were the keeper of the box. They were the keeper of the... Resources that belonged to the master, right? And when he goes, he gives the one, what? 10, gives one, five. And he gives one, one. And he says to them, put this to work while I am gone. Hello, how many know this, how many know this morning Jesus is gone? How many know he's with his father? He's sitting at the right hand of the father. How many know the Bible says he's coming back one day? How many know we're the stewards, we're the keepers, we're the ones who have been entrusted with his work while he is gone? And so that means that we need to view the totality of our life as something that he has given to us to be a steward of until his return. And money is part of that, right? And so I want to talk to you for a few moments that first and foremost, as keeper of the money box, we are to use the money for his purposes. Amen? How many know if you, listen to me, and here's the good news. When I understand this principle as keeper of the money box, we are to use it for his purposes, here's the good news. I am part of his purposes. What does that mean? That means that he is as concerned about me as he wants me to be concerned about others. How many know this morning that I take his money, I put it to work for his purposes, and he will never fail me. He will never uh, uh, um, fail me in my money. And as a matter of fact, the Bible says that when we sow, we reap. We sow, we reap, why? I reap because it's a purpose of God for me to reap in my life. The purpose of God in my life is to sow. The purpose of God is to reap. I love the fact that I am part of his purposes. But I wanna say something to you this morning. Sometimes we don't reap his purposes because we've never sown in his purposes. And we've made us the sole purpose of our existence. We've made us the sole purpose of our money. We've made our pleasure. I, I read the paper this week, and I got to tell you, I read it, and I read about, and this is not a negative thing against our congressmen. It's not a negative thing about what they're doing, but I read it, and I read that Congressman Joyce is introducing a bill or part of a bill that's going to have $15 million for chronic waste disease in deer. Okay, whatever, I like deer. I like Congressman Joyce. I'm not against him. I'm not against deer. Let's save some deer. Fifteen million dollars, and I start to go like this as I start to twitch. All right, and I start going fifteen million dollars. Okay, and I, and I just literally start going like this. All that we're trying to do over in that neighborhood, all we're trying to do through the race, just find me a million. I'll take a million. Just find me a million. I don't want 15, just find me one. And I will stop the chronic waste disease in that neighborhood. I I I will be part of those who will bring healing to children and empowerment of children. And I will be part of those who will elevate a child. Just find me a million. And we're gonna spend 15 on deer. I love deer. Matter of fact, I used to hunt them all the time. Now I'm a lover, not a hunter anymore. Now I just watch him. I become docile in my old age. But it's not the 50, Find me a million to what to work to his purposes. We live in a world that's upside down on a priority scale. Kevin Durant will not play a single basketball game next year. Eric and I were talking about this. And he'll make 34 million dollars. I don't begrudge Kevin Grant his $34 billion, $34 million. That's the market that's set. He should take it. And he should put it to good use. What I begrudge is the value system of a society that somehow has gotten to a place that athletes are being paid $34 million a year to play basketball. When school teachers are making fifty dollars or $60,000 a year. Where policemen are making fifty dollars or $60,000 a year. Where we're struggling to try to raise children out of the opioid epidemic. Where we're starting to get people. Like, that, that's what I struggle with. It's upside down because it's operating according to the standards of the world and not the economy of the kingdom. It's about his purposes. His money in your hands is for his purpose. But listen to me. You are a part of that purpose. Your family is part of that purpose. He wants you to be blessed. He wants you to be provided for. And he doesn't care if you have things. Can I get an amen on that? All right. As a keeper of the money box, we use his money in the spirit of the master. Judas used the money box in the spirit of the devil. Why? Because he stole from it. And the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. The spirit of the enemy is thievery. The spirit of Jesus is giving. Ouch. You know, There's some messages I preach I don't like. This is probably one of them. Because let me know, you can't not preach a message like this unless he's challenging your heart as well. Don't think, I don't get challenged when I'm preaching. Because now I've got to put my, literally, my money where my mouth is. We must use what's in our resources in the spirit of the one who owns it. As keeper of the money box, I use his money to bring a revelation of his resources to this world. Sat one day and had a discussion with a young man. He was telling me all the ways that the right school would never work. That we didn't have this much money. We didn't have that much money. And this was going to be that, all this stuff. And and quite frankly, on paper, he's right. (laughs) He's absolutely right. And I looked at him and I said, do you think I went into this because the numbers made sense on paper? Do you think I went into this because the money made sense? The money never makes sense, they're never gonna make sense, but God is going to make something senseful out of something that seems senseless. You understand, one of, the, one, of the, one of the gods of this age, one of the gods of this age is money. Money. And when we say we can't because of money, We're worshiping the God of this age. But when I say God wants us to do this and I don't have what I have, now all of a sudden I'm bringing a revelation to those who don't understand it and says now I get it because they stepped out in faith and God brought finances from places we didn't even know existed. He brought finances from dark places. God multiplied what was sown. It makes no sense except for God's economy. I I love being part of that stuff except for the stress in between, whenever we don't have it and we need it. <laughs> How many of you want to be a revelation of his resources to the world? And that's in a lot of ways. Healing. How many of you believe this morning that God can heal through you? That he gives through you? He speaks words of life through you. You are a vessel of revelation of God to the world. And what we do with our money as kingdom people is a revelation of a kingdom, not of this world. Of a value system, not of this world. Let me know, we all can hear this thing, our checkbook will show us where our values are. And this is not about, again, Listen to me. This has nothing to do with, oh, pastor, I have this and that, and you're trying to make me feel guilty. No, I'm not. No, not. if God's blessed you, praise God. If you're giving and you're using it according to His purposes, and He's blessed you to be able to ha- do some things and have some things, praise God. I bless you. Amen. You see, Jesus, He, he gives this illustration. I'm going to 110, I'm gonna give the one ten. I'm going to give the one five. I'm going to give the one one. None of them were more special. Each one was given it according to their ability. All right. And when he did that, he said, put this to work. There was an expectation that there would be a return on his investment. God is expecting a return on his investment into your life. Not just monetarily. Money, time, love. If he poured out his love on you, how many know you should pour out his love on others? Now, he's expecting a return on what he has deposited and invested in you. You see, I use his money. What did I write? Reveal. I forgot forgot a letter. To reveal, two letters, okay, to reveal an economy not based upon this world. When's the last time, and I'm being nosy, but you don't have to raise your hand. When is the last time that you could tell somebody, I'm talking about money for a moment, that I didn't have it, God told me to give it, I gave it, and he brought it back. Not only did he bring it back, he blessed me beyond what I gave. I can tell you testimonies of that. I can point to people in this room that I can tell you testimonies of that. But when's the last time you've had one to relate to somebody that you can say, let me tell you about my God. Let me tell you about my God that told me to give his money. I did it. Not only did he bring what I gave back, but he actually multiplied it. Because you see, when you're looking at the parable of the stewards, what happens? Ten, he came back and said, here's ten more. Five, here's five more. How many know each one of them received more more of a blessing because of the return on investment? Each one of them. As a keeper of the money box, entrusted with more when I am faithful with what I have. I'm not giving you more of anything if you're not faithful with what you have. How many of you give more responsibility to your children when they're irresponsible with what they already have? How how many of you give your employees more responsibility when they've been unfaithful with the responsibility they have? How, How many of you give money to somebody who's been irresponsible? No, of course not. But I will promise you this, the Bible teaches an economy, the Bible teaches a principle that when you are faithful with little, God will give you much. That when you're faithful with little, you'll be given much. The Bible shows it, all right? I'm faithful with what I have. Here's the, here's the thing, whether we like it or not, and some of you just are hating this message today, And you're hating me at the moment. I love you. Notice I didn't say whether you like it or not. I said whether we like it or not. We are the keeper of the money box. This is his money box. That's his. That money, you know, whatever value is in this, which ain't much, is still going to be here when I die. Whatever's in here is still going to be here when I die. It might belong to somebody else. You know, you know what? I, I got a nice house. Guess what's going to happen? Someday I'm going to die. Tony will either keep it or sell it, whatever. And then somebody else is going to live in it someday. Beyond them. This, it ain't going with me. And whatever is represented is still going to be here even when I'm dead. It ain't going with me. I am, it is on loan to me by the master for his purposes. I am the keeper of the money box. But the question is, what am I doing with his money box? And I'm not pulling a whole lot of punches today, am I? If you are not a giver to the things of God, you are robbing from his money box. Say, well, why don't you say it a little more blunt, Pastor? Okay, let me try it this way. Don't give me all the justifications that are unbiblical. You can give me justifications based upon the things of this world, but I'm going to ignore them. You've got to show me in Scripture where we as his people are not supposed to be givers. You, you can argue the tithe all you want. And I believe I can show you in the New Testament you're wrong on that as well. And actually, if you really want to get biblical about tithing, in the Old Testament it was 23%. <laughs> I mean, we got a bargain at 10, all right? But we won't go there. But let's just forget about tithing for a moment and let's talk about generous and giving. George and I were talking about this the other day. Because we know the Bible says that we're to be generous givers. We know the Bible says that we are to give in a spirit of generosity. We know the Bible says that we're to be cheerful givers and joyful givers. Then we know what the Bible says, right? That's what the Bible says. So, so, what can happen is lots of people will come and give me justifications based upon the things of this world. Okay. But now give me the justification based on the Word of God. And if you can give it to me based upon the Word of God, praise the Lord. Show me where you're not supposed to be a giver in the Word of God. You're saying, "Boy, we must need money. We don't need. Well, we always need money because it's all about the resources and what we do with it." And I always hear stuff like, "Wow, boy, things must be good. They got a new couch in the foyer." Let me tell you about that couch in the foyer. Two hundred bucks. That's right, two hundred dollars. Pastor found the deal. I was out one day. I hated those stinking chairs that were out there, and I didn't want to spend a lot of money on this thing. And I walked past this couch, and I saw it was $700, marked down to $500, marked down to $300. Then I saw a little sticker, and I said, $200. I said, whoa, baby, sold. <laughs> I want that. But, but, but what happens is, oh, things must be good. I got, that, I got that. Oh, things must be bad. He's preaching on money. Listen to me. I will say this to you. The vision of God for this house and through this house is bigger than your tithes and your offerings. Your tithes and your offerings lay the foundation for him to bless to accomplish the vision. That's the foundation. That's the foundation of it. And so what do I want you to give? I sure do. Why? So pastor can get more money? If pastor was worried about more money, I would take more from the church and make my wife stop working. She works because we always have done that and it helps us, quite frankly. It's a good thing that the hospital pays her hospitalization. (laughs) I like that deal, right? I'm, saying, I'm trying to say to you, do I want people to give more money to the church? Yes, I just want do I, want, do I want, I just want you to be faithful. I want to be faithful. I want to be found faithful. Judas was not found faithful. Some of you don't like being compared to him. I don't like it either. The question is, how are you keeping his money box? I promise you this. If each and every person that's part of this house will be faithful to his money box, he will be faithful to us. And we will be able to do the ministry of the master. Anybody who thinks they can do ministry without money today doesn't understand how to do ministry today. So let me challenge our hearts this morning. Notice I said ours. Let me challenge our hearts this morning. And the next time we're looking at our checkbook and the next time we're looking at our wallet and the next time we're looking at it, we're asking this question. How am I doing with his money box? How am I doing with his money box? You know, I, found, I, I remember what I was going to say at offering now. <laughs> Let me tell you what I, I found out. You know, the, the Bible talks in the Old Testament where David killed Goliath. There was four other giants that were killed, but David never killed one of them. His nephew killed one, somebody else killed one. And I used to use this analogy all the time that giant killers birth giant killers. They just do, right? What I have found out after pastoring for a number of years is that there's another principle that takes place. Givers birth givers, and tithers birth tithers. I have literally seen generations generations of givers in families that somebody laid a foundation that their children have followed in generations later. I want my kids to be givers because dad was a giver. I want to leave a legacy of faith because dad had faith. I want to leave a legacy of prayer because dad would pray. I want to leave a legacy of service because dad would serve. How many know you birth what you are? Come on, Troy. Everybody, cheer. I I wasn't really serious. (laughs) You birth what you are. Father, this morning. Would you help us with this message? And I mean us. We have a responsibility, we have a sacred trust. We're stewards. We're not owners. We're managers of your resources, not owners. You've called us to be givers. You've called us to be generous givers. You've called us to be faithful givers. The Bible says that the root of all evil is money. Huh. And it's true. Look at the evils of the world. What's the foundation of those evils? Money. If you could dry up the money, you could dry up the drug trade. The money, money is the root of all evil. And yet the church has been put on the face of this earth as part of that which offsets the work of evil. May our love of money never be a hindrance to our fight of evil. May we be sowers and reapers. May we, may we be givers who become receivers. When I give, I have received the blessings of God. And Father, this day, this is a sobering message. It's a reminder today of who we are, children of God, priestly sons of God. With your resources at our disposal may we be faithful servants of the money box. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, stand with me for a moment. Now listen to me. I want you to experience the joy of giving. I want you to experience the joy of walking in faith. I want you to walk in the joy. Do, do, do you remember the day, how much joy we had that one day where we gave the $76,000 for the roof on 11th Street? The joy. Do you remember the joy we had when there was $147,000 given for a classroom? Building? Do you remember the joy? That joy isn't just reserved for special moments. That joy is something we have as we operate in a lifestyle of giving. A lifestyle of generosity, a lifestyle of being faithful with his resources. Two of the stewards anticipated the return of the master with joy. One anticipated as fear and dread, and so he hid what he had. This day, we want to be those who operate in joy, as we are the keeper. Of the money box. Man, have a great day. Allow this to penetrate your heart. Allow it to minister to your heart. Allow it to cause you to rise up and say, you know what? I'm going to be better with his money box. I'm going to be faithful. I'm going to be walking in joy. I'm going to be a cheerful giver. God bless you. Have a great day. Have a great week.